You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Nightcrawler. Excuse me, sir. I'm looking for a job. I'm a hard worker. I set high goals. My motto is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy a ticket. So what do you say? I could start tomorrow, or even why not tonight? No, I'm not hiring. We're first! Go around, get a shot inside the car! Back away. I got it. I'm back. I'm back. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. Are you currently hiring? I'm starting a TV news business. You, get back. I film breaking stories. Maybe you saw my item this morning. You were fatal carjacking. No, I mean, I don't have a TV. Do you have a cell phone? Yeah. Is that a GPS? Yeah. Congratulations, you're hired. <sighs> okay. We're taking the next right. That's stupid! Repeat the police. I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Excuse me. I have something you'll be very excited about. You have a good eye. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. Think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. You will be seeing me again. In a unit, residential 211. A home invasion. Call the cops. And we will at the right time. But I don't know what to do. We're gonna find the person that drove that car. Start filming. I'm Detective Fonieri. I think you withheld information. That would be a very unprofessional thing for me to do. It would be murder. I want what you promised me. I want something people can't turn away from. 911, what's your emergency? is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher <laughs> all right everybody you were just listening to the trailer for nightcrawler and the story is as follows los angeles citizen lou bloom survives by scavenging and petty theft he stumbles into a new career as a cameraman and armed with a camcorder and police scanner begins nocturnal forays across the city in search of shocking and grisly crimes. When he catches the eye of a shop-worn news director who welcomes the chance to raise her station's ratings, Lou goes to increasingly greater lengths to catch the money shot. The film is starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, Riz Ahmed, and Bill Paxton. It is written and directed by Dan Gilroy. Joining me for this 2014 retrospective podcast review, I have Dan Baer. Good afternoon, evening, morning. I don't even know what time it is anymore. One might say you've been uh, staying up too late, Dan Bear. You might be a nightcrawler at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're not not wrong. Let me check your pupils later. Let me see if they're as big as Blue Blooms. Uh, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Danilo Castro. Good evening to all the fellow nightcrawlers out there. All righty. <laughs> So, Nightcrawler, a film that's extremely popular amongst the internet crowd, uh, was definitely a part of the award season conversation in 2014. It's also um, highly regarded by many as uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, best performance, a career filled with many uh, great performances. 
It's been a while since I've actually seen this one. I remember seeing it in theaters when it came out. Saw it with my uh, best friend and uh, was completely taken by surprise uh, with the movie. I wasn't expecting it to be ultimately what it turned out to be. And I also uh, found that on this uh, latest rewatch that I had a completely different read altogether uh, this time around. I think maybe because my uh, eyes and ears are definitely more open than they were probably in 2014, as evidenced by some of these ever retrospective reviews that we've been having lately. I actually don't know anyone else's opinions on this film uh, prior to recording this right now. So I'm really, really curious to hear what everybody thinks about this one so why don't we get into it with wide-eyed enthusiasm shall we let's hear first from nicole nicole first time i believe watching nightcrawler what did you think yeah it was my first time seeing it and i really didn't know that much about it going into it which was an interesting experience i knew that uh jake gyllenhaal was in it i knew that it had gotten the Um, nomination at the Oscars for Best Original Screenplay, but that was kind of all that I knew. And I honestly am kind of hoping that this discussion can help me figure out all of my thoughts exactly on this film, because I have a lot of thoughts, but like even in my um, letterbox review, I was kind of like, I think I need to sit with this one for a while, and it's been a couple of days now, but I was very impressed by the movie, but also it's it's a really interesting uh, watching experience. It's not something that I would say that I like enjoyed watching. <laughs> yeah, it's um, interesting in how the movie basically presents to us uh, an anti-hero that turns into a full-fledged villain mm-hmm. and is someone that's utterly despicable and we do not like, despite his charm uh, that he tries to utilize as manipulation on other characters in the movie. And then the movie does not end in the way that you would typically expect a character study like this to end. And I, I, I agree. That was one of the things upon this most recent rewatch that um, kind of sat with me a little bit was, huh, what, what, like, what am I supposed to take away from it when all is said and done? And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that, like you said. So let's hear from some other folks. Uh, Dan Bear, what about yourself? Um, well, oddly enough, this is my first time watching Nightcrawler 2. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know or remember exactly why i missed it in theaters in 2014 i have a vague memory that it may have come out around the time that i was moving to the city which was a crazy busy time and that might have been why but i it's always been one of those that you know like meant to watch over the years but there are so many movies that i just never had the time and i'm watching it now and like (laughs) uh Considering how well it plays now, I can't imagine what it must have been, seemed like in 2014. Oh, people went nuts over this movie in 2014. <laughs> I And the fact that it still feels timely and like gets its critical and satirical points across as well as it does is, is pretty amazing. Um, and like... The um, goddamn the craft of this movie, the um, the the uh, Robert Ellsworth's cinematography is just killer. Oh yeah, the way he shoots L.A. at night, it looks great. It looks so freaking good, and um, when you combine that in like these really 
insane like thriller sequences almost with um James Newton Howard's score and that that editing it's it's genuinely thrilling in a way that I was not expecting at all and yeah I mean Jake Gyllenhaal is is really really good but um for me I'm like why didn't Rene Russo get more work after this? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about that uh, in more detail for sure. I was stunned by this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Riz Ahmed got work. Where's Rene Russo? Yeah. <laughs> Josh Parm, what about you? So I do remember watching this movie back in 2014. And I have to be honest with you that... At that time, I remember going into the movie and knowing it had a ton of hype around it. And I walked out not disappointed, but a little underwhelmed and just feeling like it was good, but I didn't love it. And I certainly didn't love it to the extent that I heard a lot of other people say they did. And because of that, I have not revisited the movie probably since 2014. So I was very excited to come back to it for this discussion. And you know, I will say that I found myself appreciating it a little bit more. I do think that some of the, of the themes that it's working with are especially timely, as Dan said. And I think that there is some great craft on display and the performances are really good. I do think, though, that about the midpoint of the movie, it does start to lose me just a little bit. And I think it's because at that point, I kind of feel like the movie starts to get a bit repetitive in terms of the themes that it is working with. And it doesn't feel quite as rich as the first half does. It's still good, and there's still great things in the second half, but it's not quite as engaging to me as the first. But overall, I would still say that it's a really interesting movie, a really fascinating watch that I would certainly recommend people check out. Okay. That's so interesting, Josh, because for me, the halfway mark was when it ticked up from good to great. Okay. <laughs> All right. And Danilo Castro. Um, I was anticipating this movie uh, in 2014, and I got the vibe it was kind of going for kind of ace in the hole, face in the crowd, you know, megalomaniacal kind of thing going in. And Love those comparisons, by the way. I think what struck me the most is the way that they chose to handle it. And you mentioned it before, Matt. It's an antihero story, but it's almost like an antihero success story, which we almost never get. Right. It's yeah. Really it's like – um. It's it's a hero's arc, but through the eyes of this terrifyingly just immoral person. And so that struck me, and that was something that really stood out to me revisiting it now. I've seen it, I think, maybe two or three times, but it had been a while before rewatching it for this. That struck me, but I do also want to piggyback on Josh's comment. Around, I'm going to say, the three-quarter mark in particular, it did start to feel a little bit repetitive which I don't remember from my first viewing. So there is that. I think maybe the rinse and repeat structure of it, even though things are ratcheting up emotionally, uh, I do think that will sort of deter some people from outright loving it. So I think it's great. I think there are some minute things that you can maybe pick out, but overall, uh, yeah, this movie this movie holds up, and this movie is unfortunately obviously still timely, but... Uh, in the thriller genre, it's, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, I think that the movie is paced extremely well, but, and this is going to sound very nitpicky, if it lost just even 10 minutes 
I think it would just be like perfectly tuned yes. at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds so nitpicky because normally you say like, oh, you know, 25, 30 minutes or so this movie could have lost or whatever. Uh, no, nah, just like, honestly, maybe even just seven minutes. <laughs> it's, I agree. It's very minute. Because <laughs> otherwise, the movie is a really, really well-paced thriller that keeps you on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's going to happen. And the reason for that is because the character is unpredictable in the lengths that he will go to to get the shots that he wants. And I love right off the bat how the screenplay, I think, got the praise it rightfully deserved because – the screenplay does such a good job in the early going of setting up exactly who Lou uh, is as a character. Uh, that attack on the security guard when he's questioned for trespassing and he takes his watch, the disarming charm, the back and forth dialogue and finding out how much of a great, masterful negotiator he is. I mean, some of the dialogue in this in terms of just back and forth negotiation scenes. I'll tell you, you watch this back to back with Wolf of Wall Street. You're going to feel like you can conquer the world in terms of sales. I'm sure. <laughs> like that one guy literally says, I'm not negotiating with you. And he replies, I think we're close. <laughs> like that's inspiring, you know, to hear, especially at me as a salesman uh, in my day job uh, when I hear stuff like that. And I actually remember when in 2014, when I first saw this, I remember relating as a salesman to Lou Bloom's uh, style of negotiation. And I think that there was definitely like a frat boy, you know, bro mentality of like almost like idolized worshiping this character at that time in my life, probably. And uh, now I look at it and I actually have a deeper complexity and a deeper appreciation uh, for the character, not from a worshiping standpoint, but the fact that he legitimately like thinks that he's God, that he can control events and have them play out as he wants them to, to get ultimately what he wants. And he has control over life and death in these scenarios. Uh, it, it's... It's pretty incredible, too, because then, like you said, Danilo, he's like rewarded at the end with with like um, when Rene Russo says, I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. And we hear a line like that. But the reality is, no, on a moral level, he's inspiring you all to reach lower um, because, unfortunately, the timely aspect of this movie is the news breeds fear into our everyday lives as a sense of control. And it's that culture that allows him to succeed in the first place. Like, there's no doubt that um, Bloom is like a full-blown sociopath. Like, he's a horrible human being. But I think what the movie makes very clear is that this is the type of personality that only can survive in a culture that we have right now that treats media as, you know, this sensationalized bit that you need to just chomp at with all of these violent stories and, of course, feeding into the capitalistic system that we're in as well. Like, he only can survive because of the system that is in place that allows him to go through it with all of these horrible activities that he does. And that's certainly a very relevant commentary that we are still dealing with today and probably will continue to deal with many, many years down the road. Yep. There's also, like, this incredible class critique in this movie that I'm I was honestly what 
what spoke to me most and kind of floored me is like, because it's very clear from the beginning of this movie that Lou is, you know, barely scraping by above the poverty line, like if that. And he happens to stumble upon this opportunity and he there's this scene where he admits to Rene Russo's character that, you know, he didn't, he doesn't really have any education. He just read finds everything on the internet. And I, I didn't need the movie to tell me that I could already figure it out that this was a, you know, self-help, um, find lots of videos and online courses kind of guy from just how he spoke. There's certain mm-hmm. like key phrases that he uses that is very like self-help speak. And he's parroting a lot of these phrases that you can hear people saying in front of large crowds. And, but he's sort of following it blindly and not really grasping what it's actually, what those things, what he's actually supposed to do with that information. And well, he has no, uh, he has no empathy. Yeah. He has no regard for what anyone else thinks. And I, I absolutely love that moment where Rick, uh, Riz Ahmed's character, after the whole movie of Lou telling him, uh, lessons and like this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you can learn from me and then <laughs> Rick is the one that tells Lou you know what man like you 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 gotta you gotta like you gotta try talking to people you know you gotta talk to people like they're human beings and I, I love that turnaround uh, even if it's just for a brief second because it's finally like somebody's telling Lou exactly like you know what he honestly needs to hear in order to be different and maybe register and his <laughs> and it, the wires in his brain just register differently uh how he perceives other people and how he perceives the world around him but obviously as we all know he rejects that notion uh with what he does with him at the end well yeah and the fascinating thing is that Rene russo tries to do that and it doesn't work because well i mean because she's a woman but also <laughs> But also because, like, there's this moment where you see her face light up in one of their first meetings together, and you realize that she thinks because this guy is lower class and self-educated and scraping by, that she can manipulate him to get what she wants and needs, only she doesn't have a clue that she's dealing with a seriously disturbed person. One of the things that's so interesting is that we kind of have this scale of morality um, with the characters in this film. Like you have Rick, who for all intents and purposes is a pretty good guy. Like we don't really see any instance of him being uh, having any questionable morality, really. He's obviously desperate. You know, he mentions that he uh, is essentially homeless. um, So he's willing to, to do this job, but he seems to still have some sort of moral compass. And then you have, um, Rene Russo's character, Nina, who clearly is missing some scruples somewhere in what she is willing to accept for this footage and and the way that she is, tries to manipulate people as well. And at first, it kind of seems like her and Lou are on the same level. But by the end of the film, you're like, oh, no, no, he is like off the scale in the other direction of morality. <laughs> like he he's actually uh, has no idea how to interact with people or how to treat people. Um, and I find that really interesting, kind of the 
the juxtaposition of these characters and how that makes them interact with each other. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our review of Nightcrawler, part of our 2014 retrospective here on the Next Best Picture podcast. In order to get the full review, you will have to head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this hour-long review, along with other exclusive podcast content from us over at nextbestpicture.com. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.